Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. Today's episode is one we've been handing out for uh, the last few episodes. It's one that was actually sent in to us, which we are both very excited about. And we encourage our other listeners to do the same. This was a local case to this person, and they wanted to share it in case it was of interest. I'm interested to hear about it. They, um, we're about to dive into it. They did not give me permission to share their name, um, so I'm not going to put it in here. Um, but they did let me know that they had no personal ties. It was just a case that was local to them that really um, they found really interesting and shared it with us. So let's dive into the Elliott family. The Elliotts are a blended family, which, coming from experience, can be tough. Jim and Peggy Elliott are the parents of Levi and Sierra Elliott. Peggy and Jim both brought sons into the marriage. Jim's son was Levi Elliott, and Peggy's son was Andy Summers. And then together, Jim and Peggy had a daughter, Sierra Elliott. The family all lived together in a home in uh, Bolivia, Missouri. They seemed like a decent family. Um, Andy and Levi were pretty close. Andy taught Levi how to shoot. The two would shoot target practice together with 22 caliber rifles. While the boys worked on target practice, Sierra would practice basketball. She'd ride horses. She'd spend time with her friends. And when Andy moved out in February of 2012, he would leave behind his locked gun cabinet. Why did he move out? I'm not 100% sure. I couldn't find that in the information, like if it was for college, because he was, I know he's the oldest of the three children, or if he moved in with his father for some reason. Just my own guess because of the age of the other kids and his age, I think maybe he left for college. But no matter the reason, He moves out in February, leaving his parents and his younger siblings, Levi, who's 15, and Sierra, who's 12. From what Levi's classmates said, Levi was not a fan of Sierra. He often spoke of how much he hated his younger sister. I think a lot of kids have said that about their siblings, to be fair, though. Yeah, probably. Siblings usually tend to bicker and fight and not get along. And I'm sure there may have been some jealousy with Sierra being like the only girl and she's the baby. Um, You know, she has both parents in the home while Levi's parents are divorced. He has like the whole split home arrangement. So I'm sure there's like a little bit of jealousy and resentment that is kind of in Levi. You know, he probably kind of bonded over that with Andy since Andy came from a split home and he was, you know, not the baby either. He was the oldest, and they were both boys. Um, the problem with what Levi says to his friends about Sierra, though, is that in March of 2012, 
Levi acts on his hatred of Sierra, and it's so much more than just bickering. So March 24th of 2012, it's about 8 p.m., and Jim and Peggy, the parents, leave Sierra in Levi's care while they run out and do a quick errand. But she's not really, I mean, they're 12 and 15, but, you know, he's, quote, in charge. I'm sure you told me that more than once. Leave me home with my little sister. Also Sierra. Also (laughs) Sierra, yes. I didn't want to say her name and be confusing, but yes, my younger sister is Sierra. And (laughs) we're not that far apart in age, but I know that there were times that I was told I was in charge, even though she was probably bigger than me and I was far from in charge. (laughs) So while they're gone, Sierra just like hangs out and watches TV in her parents' bedroom. And Levi, though, decides he's just ready to get rid of his little sister. He's done. He, When he told his friends he hates her, he wasn't just saying it to say it. He really didn't like her. So he goes to Andy's gun cabinet, unlocks it, and gets out the gun he's most familiar with, which is the twenty-two caliber Ruger rifle. Levi shot Sierra in the head and then fled the home in his father's white Ford pickup truck that was still at the home when they did the errands. Now Jim and Peggy are gone. Maybe an hour. They say that it was probably not even that long and they come back. They both have this feeling when they pull in that just like, you know, you have that feeling it's just something's not right. You know, they're kind of unnerved when they pull up back to the house. Um, the house is totally dark, which is weird because, you know, the kids are in the house. Mm-hmm. And they notice the truck is missing, which is also weird. So Jim ran into the home first, yelling for his kids. And he did hear Sierra moaning in pain from the master bedroom. Oh, my gosh. I cannot imagine as a parent how scary this whole ordeal must have been for Jim and Peggy. I mean, yeah, you literally are gone maybe an hour. You don't expect to come back to anything bad happening in your home. But it's even worse when they come to find out that their daughter has been shot so brutally and your son is missing. It must be like this, you know, tornado of emotions going on. The reality of who hurt their little girl is about to make things even worse. Jim runs to the phone to call 911 while Peggy stays with their daughter. Knowing she may have little time, she asks Sierra if Levi did this to her, and Sierra indicates with her hand a yes, because she couldn't speak. Sierra was airlifted to the hospital, but had lost too much blood and passed on the following day, which was March 25th, 2012, at only 12 years old. Where was Levi? Did they... Do they know where he went after he fled the home? Um, well, Levi was seen on CCT, CCTV footage pulling into the Clinton Walmart at 9.02 p.m., which is just under an hour away, meaning he pretty much shot his sister as soon as his parents were out of eyesight. But anyway, he goes to Walmart, and the footage shows him walking inside the store where he stays for about two hours. While he's in the store, he gets a call from his grandmother. So Nicole Marsh, a Walmart employee, pages Levi's name over the store intercom. All Nicole could remember about the phone call Levi had was that he told his grandmother that, quote, he didn't do anything, 
end quote. And she remembered Levi mentioning a few times that he did not want his father to know where he was while he was on the phone. Nicole testifies that a bit later, another call came in for Levi, this time from his mother. So she, you know, pages him again. All she remembered from that conversation that she overheard was Levi saying, quote, he hadn't done it, end quote. And again, repeatedly telling his mother not to give his location to his dad. Though Nicole did not overhear all of the conversation, because while talking with his mother, he spoke with his stepfather as well, which is Robert Adams. And he told his stepfather that he needed someone to come pick him up. Did anyone come pick him up or did they call the police? Well, he hung around Walmart for a while, I suppose contemplating what to do next. While he was roaming around, he spoke with Vicki Anderson, who checked in on him and asked if he was okay. She worked there. Um, you know, she's asking, you know, can I help you find anything? He fabricated a story that he was on spring break and was like just looking around and they were kind of talking a little bit. They spoke about hunting and movies and cars and Vicky mentioned that she drove a black Jeep outside the parking lot. Just like a convert, like just kind of random conversation. In the meantime, Levi's maternal grandparents, the one he talked to on the phone, came and picked Levi up from Walmart and took him to a hotel in Kansas City, which is where his mom lived. How do you how do you explain the murder of his sister to his grandparents? Well, um, he, much like the story he concocted about being on spring break, he concocted a new story um, in the two hours he spent just kind of wandering around Walmart. He told his mom and his stepdad and his grandparents a whole different sequence of events. So he tells his family that he and Sierra had been home alone when he heard a loud noise similar to a gunshot come from down the hallway. He, being the doting and worried big brother, went toward the noise to investigate and just check on Sierra, make sure she was okay. He claimed when he walked in, he saw that Sierra had been shot and that there was a guy rifling through the drawers of his parents' dresser. He told them that he you know, backed up quietly, he got his shoes on, and then fled in the truck. However, the man who shot Sierra came after Levi, pursuing after him in a black Jeep. Well, that vehicle does sound familiar. Doesn't it, though? But after a few miles, the killer chasing him in the black Jeep gave up chasing him, and Levi drove until he started running low on gas, and that's when he pulled into the Walmart in Clinton. Well, this is... Is definitely a story. Did his family buy it or did they turn him in to the police? What happened? Well, both kind of. His mother, Joy, truly believed her son's story. However, when she heard the police were looking for him, she took him to the Kansas City police to turn himself in, probably thinking that he made him look more innocent. Yeah, Yeah, which, you know, he did. He turned himself in. The police bring him in. They take his clothing for evidence. But the problem is what they don't find is any blood on his clothes. And they also take the truck in, and they don't find any Sierra's blood there either. Do the police begin to believe Levi's story because of that then? No. Lack of blood does not mean he didn't kill Sierra, just that he wasn't in close enough range when he shot her to end up with back splatter of blood on himself or his clothing. 
Also, the father mentions that the pickup truck was a hard truck to start and it took time to warm up, which is probably why they didn't take that one. And the biggest kicker is the front door was locked when Jim and Peggy arrive home. But this was the door that Levi Clan, the alleged killer, came out of to chase him down in that black Jeep. Well, you know, they may have, the killer may have locked the door behind him. Yeah, well. consider it. How is he going to lock it? He didn't have a key. I don't know. None of it makes sense. Also, I'm just saying if I'm fleeing, I'm not about to put my shoes on. I'm just going. But, you know, whatever. So um, they put Levi in custody. And in June of 2012, Polk County judge ruled that Levi would be tried in adult court instead of juvenile court. Once moved to adult court, Levi was charged with second-degree murder, armed criminal action, and tampering with a motor vehicle. His bond was set for $250,000. Levi pleaded not guilty, and things moved towards a jury trial. The first thing that Levi's defense team did was make a motion to have Sierra's hand motion that she did to her mother, indicating Levi suppressed. Please tell me that that motion was denied. I could tell you that, but that'd be a lie. Sadly, that motion was granted. The judge affirmed that there was no evidence that Sierra knew she was dying when she made the motion with her hand, so it was not qualifying as a dying declaration. On July 3rd of 2013, another motion was filed, this time for a change of venue. They granted this motion as well and moved the case to Greene County, Missouri. However, in a turn of events that I never really heard of, the state dismissed the charges and refiled them on the same day in August of 2013. When they refiled them, they did so back in Polk County. On October 27th of 2014, the trial finally began. We know pretty much already both sides of the arguments, right? But there's one thing that the trial documents that stood out to me. The trial court judge overruled a hearsay objection to testimony from Jason Trammell, who works for the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Jason Trammell testified that a paramedic told him that blood found on a nightstand near where Sierra was, was a result of an IV that was inserted by paramedics when treating her. Hold on to that little tidbit of information, okay, because it will become important later. Okay, I have filed it. Great. The trial wrapped up and the defense's closing arguments were very impassioned. The following was a quote from the closing argument. Sierra Elliott is dead because Levi ambushed her in her parents' bedroom while she was watching TV. He put a gun against her head and pulled the trigger. The jury heard that Levi got into his dad's truck and fled the scene, leaving her alone without medical attention for at least 40 minutes before her parents came home and found her, end quote. Hearing that right before deliberation has to weigh heavy on you as a jury. And it must have because it only took three hours for the jury to deliberate and come back to find Levi guilty on all accounts. Sentencing came three months later in January of 2015. His mother and father at sentencing were asking the judge for very different things for Levi. Jim Elliott pleaded with the judge, which is his father, by the way, pleaded with the judge for the maximum sentence for Levi, which would be 30 years. Jim claimed he feared if Levi was released, he would kill again. Levi's mother, Joy, on the other hand, 
maintained her son's innocence, and she said, quote, five minutes in prison would have been too much for my son, end quote. When the judge asked Levi if he had anything to say before sentencing, he said the following, quote, I have had to grieve the loss of my baby sister from inside a jail cell for a crime I did not commit. I've lost my teen years and all of my friends, but I've always and will always maintain my innocence, end quote. Judge Michael Hendrickson sat in front of a deadpan Levi as he read off Levi's sentencing. Judge Hendrickson handed down a 20-year sentence before Levi is eligible for parole. As he handed down the sentence, he had an oration prepared for Levi. Quote, Your decision to use that firearm to shoot your sister was the cause of her death, he told Levi. Make no mistake, it was you who did so, not the gun. Had you made a better decision about how you expressed your anger or disappointment or whatever was going on between you two, Sierra would be here today. We will all forever be left to wonder how long she suffered alone and whether she might still be alive today had you taken different action, end quote. It still surprises me how totally callous Levi was to Sierra just to leave her for dead when nobody really knew their sibling relationship was that bad. Yeah, that's the thing that I think really stood out to me is, you know, in some of these cases, you have all these people coming forward. And other than a couple of classmates that said, you know, he said he hated his sister, which we said was kind of run of the mill things. And at some point, we probably all said to a friend about our sibling. There wasn't anything else. Like, it, I never heard like the parents and, you know, his dad is saying, give him the max. So I feel like he would have come forward. If- yeah. Well, that's something I was thinking when he's saying he'll kill again, making me think that there must have been signs or warnings. maybe there had to be something for him to say he'll kill again. That really stuck in my head for some reason. Yeah. Not to mention as is, is when it's your child, even, even the most horrible thing, I feel like you still, want the best for them. That's I'm, I'm just thinking there had to be warning signs for him to say that. Yeah. I mean, he did go on saying that he now could see what Levi was capable of and he was afraid it would happen again. Uh, and like in a more broad um, quote that he gave maybe to the press. So I don't know if it, it was like, he, you know, he will kill again or if it's just that fear that, you know, if I support him and he gets out and he kills again, like, that's on me. And I already didn't protect my daughter. Um, and I think there's probably got to be, I mean, obviously there's anger towards Levi, but it's like, you know, that's your little sister and she was defenseless and you just left her there. Like, yeah, I get that. I mean, it, I, I don't know. It's really hard as a parent. I, I think I that's a really hard parent. position as yeah. a parent because it's your children and it's, yeah. you know, both, both of them are your kids. And I think part of you feels like you have to back the one that, in this case, was innocent and didn't get, you know. I get that, but on the other hand, that one's the one you have left, and you want yeah. at least some form of relationship with them when they get out. I don't know. I've never been in that position. I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I and I don't. I, yeah, I don't want to be there ever. So I, I can't imagine. Of course, there are appeals which we will dive into. The appeal has two points. The first one is a claim that the state dropping and refiling charges denied him of his due process, which I think that whole thing was weird. I've never actually heard of that happening before. Um, 
which it seemed like a very strategic thing to get it back in Polk County. But I'm also not sure why his attorney didn't, again, refile for change of venue when they got it the first time. So, but I don't know. The second one goes back to that little objection in the trial that I told you to remember. I was wondering when that was coming back around. All right. So you've got that filed away. I want you to pull that out, right? So it's like, um, it's kind of like notes in school. I want you to pull out yesterday's work. We're about to, we're about to go over it. Okay. So Levi is stating in his appeal that the court erred in allowing the hearsay evidence. John Tram, Jason Trammell is an investigator with training in bloodstain pattern who is the one who testified at the trial. He testified at trial that no DNA from Sierra was found on the clothing that Levi wore the day of the shooting, and there was none found on the clothing Levi was wearing when he was taken in by police, and there was none in the truck. He also testified that, um, you know, Levi got into the truck, so if he had any DNA, that, like, it would have to be somewhere, but there was none. Sierra's blood was found on a nightstand near where investigators decided the shooter was standing when he shot Sierra. The defense argued in the trial that Levi could not have been the shooter as no blood was located on any of his clothes or in the truck. Jason Trammell was asked by the prosecutor on redirect examination whether the blood on the nightstand was backsplatter from the shooting. He tried to testify regarding what the paramedic had told him about where the blood on the nightstand came from. The defense objected based on hearsay. The prosecution argued that Trammell was an expert and was permitted to rely on hearsay upon which he could have reasonably relied as an expert in forming his opinion. The objection was overruled. Trammell was allowed to conclude that the blood on the nightstand was not backsplatter because a paramedic had told him the blood resulted from the paramedic's attempt to put in Sierra's IV. Hang on, because I know that was really confusing, right? Yes, it the, was. That was a lot of kind of legal garble. So basically, Trammell is a blood splatter expert and at first was saying that the blood drop, right, that was on the nightstand had to be back splatter, which meant that Levi would have been within close proximity of Sierra and would have had blood on him had he been the shooter. However, since Trammell was testifying to what he was told by a paramedic who was on the scene about the IV being put in her arm, and when that happened, was a blood drop. Trammell was allowed to use that because it was such similar that he was. They're basically saying he was expert enough that if he didn't believe the paramedics to be telling the truth, he could have, you know, figured out the difference. And they wanted the jury to know how he became aware of the blood drop being from an IV because of the paramedics and that was because a paramedic told him so that's why it was overruled but since it was overruled that meant that the defense could not say you know oh well if the shooter had to be at the nightstand then it can't be levi because he had no blood on him so it kind of put a it kind of hurt their case which is why they objected but it was overruled and so he put it in the appeals did those appeals get him anywhere? No. <laughs> On October 18th, 2016, the appeals were denied. And as of right now, Levi will be eligible for parole in 2035. So he's got a while. Okay. And since you didn't bring it up, 
you may not know, but did, did they do gunshot residue on his test or anything like that? There is no information at all about gunshot residue, which he was, um, you know, taken to a hotel. So if he showered, so they may not have done gunshot residue if they knew he showered because it doesn't help their case. It hurts their case to show he didn't have any on him. So, but there's nowhere and nowhere in the trial, nowhere in any articles. Do they talk about gunshot residue? Cause I thought the same thing, but then I remembered that he stayed overnight in a hotel um, in Kansas city after his grandparents picked him up. And my guess is he probably showered during that time. Um, so it really wouldn't have helped their case. Um, so there is that. Um, yeah. So that is Levi Elliott. This was one that was sent in to us. It was a rough one. Like the idea of, I think it's just, it just kind of shocked everybody in this town because no one really saw it coming. Um, because they didn't have, I mean, it's not like they were physically violent all the time or, you know, Levi was hurting her physically in any way. Um, and we all know siblings just don't get along. That's just nature. And I don't think you ever expected to come to this. No. And, and it didn't even seem like there was a fight going on that day. Like Sierra was just minding her own business. She was watching TV. Um, you know, if there was something more, Levi's never come forward and said, um, you know, if they had some sort of like tumultuous relationship and he's just kind of kept it in. Nobody has come forward and said anything um, like that. So I think that's the part that really surprises everybody. Um, And outside of this, they seem to be pretty good kids. Like they weren't neither, you know, nobody talks about them being um, either one of them being trouble in school or anything like that. Um, so I think I'm it's just sorry. I still just think there's more to that story. I think that that's dad knows more than he's letting on to have said that. I don't know why that's just stuck in my head. And you may be right, but there nobody is talking. But basically. of course, you know they're always like, "Oh, I never expected that from so and so." Yeah, but who knows? Some things can be kept quiet and hidden pretty well in families. Yeah. Um, so if you want to see pictures of the family, you can see them at murder.mimosas, um, on Instagram. If you have a case that you'd like us to do, you know, email it in at murder.mimosas at gmail.com. If you want to, um, share a little sound clip with your friends, you can find it on TikTok at murder.mimosas. And if you want to interact with us, you can do that at murder.mim, or not murder.mimosas. Sorry, that was a habit. Murder and Mimosas podcast on Facebook. And then just for fun, we have Twitter, um, which is murder.mimosas also. So, you know, even if you don't like your sibling, just, like, drink a mimosa instead of killing them. underage. We don't promote underage drinking. I'm just saying I'd probably even rather that (laughs) than you shoot them. Levi was underage. I would have given him a mimosa before a gun. But we are not promoting underage (laughs) drinking. We're just saying the alternative is shooting. Don't. Um, but you know, anyway, have a mimosa on us. Bye.